What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a special edition of the Wrestling Junkies podcast. I'm Eric, Mr. Cincinnati Robinson. As always, I'm joined by the podcast dad himself, Chris Hoops. Choops, how are you feeling today, man? Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is time to do my favorite thing that we do, and let's talk to an actual real-life wrestler. So don't let me talk too much. Absolutely. Uh, our next guest is an Irish standout that has wrestled all over the world and is a self-professed international man of mystery. Mm. Everybody, welcome to his world tour in 2024. Jack Moody, how are you, man? I'm very well. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Chris, for, for having me. Um, sorry to hear you're under the weather, uh, Chris, but glad you could make it today. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Yeah, so let's get right on into it. So here at the Wrestling Junkies podcast, we believe that wrestlers are superheroes, and every superhero's got an origin story. So, Jack, tell us some of your earliest memories of professional wrestling. Oh, yeah, very early. Uh, I mean, some of my earliest memories in life are wrestling-related. Um, yeah, probably around the age of seven or eight. I mean, you hear this you hear this a lot with wrestlers. It's like eight, seven, eight, six to seven to eight seems to be like a key point when if you're – if you discover wrestling around that time, it's likely that you will it will stick with you uh, for life, and that has been the case for me. Um, I'm very much a kid of the Attitude Era, totally transfixed by what I'm seeing on the screen. It's just so stimulating and entertaining and yeah. magical to a child. Um, and unlike many of my contemporaries growing up, it never really left my uh, my being. It was always a part of my life, and um, you get to a point where you either stay a fan or you try it out. And the kind of post-pandemic life, when I reflect on what my pre-pandemic life was and my post-pandemic life, they're very different because I kind of emerged from the pandemic with a kind of a plan to change things for the better. And one of those key changes was to give pro wrestling a, a shot and give it as give it everything I, I had because. It, kind of reflecting during the pandemic on what my, my work life was like and what my what the outlook was like if I was to stay in that uh, industry and it was more a case of I have to alter things and pro wrestling was an amazing outlet, creative outlet to, to be to pursue. Um, so yeah, pretty much September 21, the world is opening up and there's a 10-week beginner's course in the Fight Factory in Dublin. And it was an ideal starting point um, for me. And since then, I've been yeah, very lucky, very fortunate to have wrestled in six different countries. Uh, I've got two more to add to the list in the next uh, month or so. And yeah, just keeping the show on the road, trying to stay injury-free. Um, and yeah, very much enjoying it. Nice. nice. Yeah. <clears throat> so you said, you, you know, growing up watching, who were some of your favorites while you were growing up? And then, like, how did they influence what you do in the ring now mm, it's funny uh so i would say that i would have two schools of thought on wrestling like there was the entertainment aspect that i was obviously gravitated towards as a child stone cold rock uh, mankind uh, rob van dam um but it was really only recent like i would say in the last two and a half years that i started to really appreciate more like the chain wrestling and like the likes of chris saban um Daniel Bryan, people like that who who are just like incredible wrestlers. So I never really had a, an amazing appreciation for the wrestling aspect until later in life. My fandom evolved slightly, um, I, and I think that speaks to like the depth of fandom. Is it, can you watch wrestling just for wrestling? 
And if you can't, you're going to be, you'll, you'll always just be kind of a casual fan or someone who's like on the periphery. Um, so I would say early stages of my wrestling fandom is more about like who are the who are the bigger, larger than life characters. Uh, yeah. And that would be stuff called Rock. Uh, even RVD, who was kind of presented in a unique fashion uh, in the early 2000s, someone I would have um, had great admiration for. But whereas now I'm, you know, like studying videos of Chris Saban on a routine basis, just trying to emulate those uh, type of uh, techniques and sequences that he pulls off. So it's funny to reflect on that. Like if you had shown me a chain wrestling match when I was 10, 11, like this, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hit like it does now. So it's been very much kind of a, treating it like an academic study now, as opposed to being infatuated with the characters. So that's been my evolution. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. So as you transitioned into the in-ring training, your trainee of LJ Cleary, um, what attributes mm -hmm. in him influenced you to train with him? Um, well, he was, uh, one of the, he was one of the top coaches in Fight Factory, so it was inevitable that our paths would, would, uh, would meet. Um, and he's just a really great guy. Like he's a good, really good friend of mine too, um, as well as being my, like one of the most influential trainers I've, I've had the pleasure of working with. So it's, uh, he's just got a really good attitude on life, which is kind of uh, infectious. Like everyone who trains with him, they, they just kind of lose positivity. Um, so he's just great to be around. Um, and also he's, he's just extremely highly skilled in the ring. And, and he's a great coach too. So I've been very fortunate to have worked Kind of like it's like one on one with him a lot, and he's like super patient. Like I, I would come to him with a bunch of different clips that I want to practice, and we'd be there for two hours practicing them until I have them down. Um, so yeah, I think we both share an appreciation for that style of wrestling. Like just yesterday, we were talking about the you know uh, Brian Danielson, Zack Sabre Jr. match. And yeah. I mean that those kind of matches would be you know huge inspiration to both of us in terms of like what we can do in the ring and and he's doing so well in japan at the moment so it's really great to see um but yeah it's just that style is uh i would say underrepresented globally um like when i've been in the states it's not as common as it is here in the uk or ireland in the uk like i think the the british style has always been kind of a more can um whereas in the us it's you know character bodybuilder sure that kind of style so yeah it's, it's it's great to see the the, the pure wrestling get it uh, get a showcase on the world stage sure sure mm -hmm. yeah and that kind of leads into the next question here um you also trained at flatbacks uh, yeah operated by tyler breeze and sean spears mm -hmm. what advantages do you feel like you've obtained uh, training domestically and then training over internationally as well um yeah like every coach is different every coach has a different perspective um they have a different value set, different set of principles by which they are they were trained. Um, so the benefit, and this has always been expressed to me when I was from the earliest early days of trained trained with as many different people as you can, different schools, because you will pick up different things that you just won't get in the same place. So it's like any industry or vertical or niche. Um, the broader the exposure, uh, your comfort zone grows. You're more comfortable in different scenarios working with different types of people, different types, different styles. Uh, so I would say the flatbacks experience was really eye-opening in terms of like the, the kind of 
WWE style of training where like if you're in the PC for example I would imagine I think that's what they model it on it's like there's like high high degree of cardio required so I mean that was certainly one of the most challenging uh, six weeks um, in terms of you know four to five times a week and it's fairly ex- extreme in terms of you know very very high uh, cardio drills and um, and then uh, emphasis on character, which, you know, some schools don't place a huge emphasis on. Some place more of an emphasis on that than the in-ring. So it's just really unique to kind of hear from both of those, to, to be so close to them for so long and to pick their brains um, and to get their opinions on things and what I need to improve. Like, and, and like you know, th- those guys have made it to the absolute top, so you have to, um, you really have to kind of appreciate what they're telling you and their, their basic Basing, they're basing that on a knowledge base that they've, they've built up over years working at the at top level. So they know what the likes of WWE are looking for um, and they're very good at kind of parlaying that to, to their students. Yeah, I mean, and, the, and these are two guys that had such unique characters when they had their WWE run that, I mean, yeah. that knowledge is, is invaluable. I mean, when you look at what Tyler Breeze did, a gimmick that you know, when you when you first see it, you're you're kind of scratching your head. But the more that mm-hmm. you do see it, it's just kind of an oh, okay, I, I see what he's going with. Yeah. He's all in on it, and, and like you yeah. said, you know, getting the the in ring uh, technical aspect of it over in Ireland, and then coming over mm-hmm. to that entertainment style and what you need to bring to a character. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's definitely invaluable. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to say that. I mean, like one of the first interactions I had with uh, Breeze. He was like, oh, I can see, because we were just like shooting around, just wrestling in the ring. And he was like, oh, I can see you just really love wrestling. Uh, and he does as well. Like, he's someone who's been to Japan and he's, he is a very skilled technical wrestler, but he kind of had to almost um, park that and explore more character work when he got to WWE because, I mean, the wrestling will only get you so far. And he's a big proponent of that. Like, even as much as you love it, it's. It, you have to be able to present yourself in a way that connects with an audience, and sometimes yeah. flashy chin, flashy wrist lock reversals aren't going to do that. Um, so he was a big advocate for you know using the moves and using the technique as part of a character. Like, why would your character do that? Why? What? What about your character is represented in these moves? And that's a really interesting way to look at it because. You know, up until that point, it's like, well, I can do these moves, and this is my move set, and I stick to that. Whereas when he, you kind of talk to him about it, he's like, well, why would you do that, and what, what is that expressing about your character? What is this move expressing about your character? And maybe there's a better move that would express this emotion in a better way. Um, so you kind of then start to it's like bigger picture overview of your move set and why you're executing them. So. Um, yeah, it's just super interesting. It's like that's part of the psychology, right? It's like, yeah. it's an often overlooked aspect, um, and it really only seems to come with ten plus years' experience. I think most wrestlers who have hit that tenure would tell you, it's like ten years is like, oh, okay. There's like periods of realization and kind of awakening. Mm-hmm. All right, now I get it. And yeah, I, I, when you're only a couple of years in, you just can't see that big picture. Uh, so it's really helpful to hear from people who have been there, done that, and have ten, fifteen years experience. Yeah, yeah. So let me let me ask you this, Jack. Uh, 
how would you say Irish wrestling scene differs from any of the other countries you've competed in as far as this being your home country and something we may not think about, you know, here as we, you know, again, being here in the United States and, and kind mm-hmm. of presentation and how we view international wrestling. I, I definitely want to ask you about the flip side of that coin and how that looks from, mm-hmm. from a European perspective. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, America, the advantage is it's just the scale um, and like every city, every state can have multiple promotions running in parallel. Some some are friendly, some are can kind of you know combative, but like there's so much opportunity, and therefore there's more shows, there's bigger shows, there's more regular shows. Um, whereas in Ireland, like it's a, it's a very small pond, like, like four and a half million people. Not all of them are interested in wrestling. Very few are. Like it, it is quite neat. Whereas in the US, it's it's as it's as mainstream as it is anywhere. Um, whereas in Ireland, it's still. And it's like, you know, it's growing in popularity and we do have amazing promotions like Fight Factory and OTT that are, you know, highly regarded. Um, I guess it's just this, this scale problem in that it can only run so often when you have a fan base that's extremely limited. Sure. Um, whereas in the US uh, and other countries, you just have a wider gambit, a wider audience that you can kind of super serve as regularly as you want. And they're not, and you're not going to, you're, you're always going to be able to sell tickets. Um, the other thing I would say about Ireland is like the the level of skill is absolutely insane in terms of that technical wrestling. Um, it's just kind of been a tradition over the years. Like you had the NWA Ireland uh, and the Fight Factory and OTT are showcasing really really high level talent um, that you don't see in every country in Europe. Um, so I would say the level of work is actually very very high. But the frequency of shows would probably be slightly lower than other countries, just based on you know, uh, economics. It's like the amount of people that are there willing to pay to see wrestling every week isn't probably there. Yeah. Well, hopefully in time that will change, and you know we'll have uh, weekly shows uh, in Dublin and Belfast uh, in, in various cities. But, um, it'll take time. What are some of the unique challenges you face as an international wrestler? Um, what are the unique? That's a good question. Um, I guess first of all, it's trying to become one. It's like, how do you go? How do you convince a promotion in Sweden that has no like has never met you, or a promoter in Sweden or Finland, right? Has never met you before. Has, has only they've got your Twitter profile to go on, uh, and maybe your CV. Uh, so it's like, how do you actually break? through the noise because every promoter is just inundated with emails and dms uh, for people who want to get from people who want to get booked um so it's a huge like the the supply demand in terms of opportunities available is, is very much skewed in favor of promoters who have they have their pick of the litter so to speak um so that's the first challenge is actually becoming uh, getting getting an opportunity and then once you have one opportunity it's a case of trying to build on that and network your ass off. So when you do go to a show in a new country, make sure you are you know polite and helpful, and that you are putting your first of all putting on a good show, that you are an asset to the locker room, that you are somehow providing a new something new to the audience so that they want to see you come back. So that's always like the anytime you go to a new uh, promotion, different country is like okay, well. By the end of this match, first of all, they might know who I am, but when when I come through the curtain, uh, and the likelihood yeah. is they haven't, unless they're like really, really deep in on Twitter, um, 
in all likelihood they don't. So your my job then is to have have a reaction so that the promoter will say, well, well he actually did extremely well. He has resonated with our audience in a different way, and we're going to bring him back. Um, so that's really the, the idea is like first of all getting over that hurdle, getting getting someone to take a chance on you um, in a different country when they have no real incentive to do it other other than bringing a, an import in, uh, add a little international flavor to their card. Um, it's really then it's your the, the opportunity is then yours to lose for future. Um, so you, you really have to maximize that airtime you have with the with the people and in front of the crowd. So you, you've wrestled in the United States, Ireland, Italy, Germany, Spain, Portugal, I believe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of follow up on, on your last uh, answer here, what advice would you give looking to wrestlers looking to create that international presence and, and finding a way to stand out to be selected for these opportunities? Um, yeah, absolutely. I would say be obviously be willing to travel and be willing to put yourself in those positions. I would say a good starting, like, and something that really helped me was going to train in different uh, promotion or different schools. So, for example, in January 22, so I had like three months experience, three, three months training. Uh, I went to Barcelona in January 22. Very, very, still very much a novice. Um, but I went and spent a week training in Barcelona with a, a promotion called Resist Program. Um, and the idea of that was to a just to kind of broaden my horizons a little bit, um, meet new people, train in a different style. B, it was like, well, eventually when I get good enough, I mean, obviously at the time in 2022, early 2022, I was nowhere near ready to be put on any card in any show in any country. So it was more of a case of future law, future me, uh, will hopefully like cash in on this equity that I've built. So, you know, it's. People are more likely to book you if they've met you or trained with you or if they've seen some level of progression and improvement. So like, if you look at me in January 22 and fast forward two years to January 24, luckily there has been uh, a real arc of growth um, and experience. Um, and just this January, uh, I was able to make my Spanish debut. So that was all, that was like two years in the making. And it was a willingness to go to Barcelona just to train. And I wasn't looking for anything else. It was like, I just want to go train. Yeah. I want to meet these people. Uh, so that's, a, first of all, it's like, be willing to go to these places and don't expect anything in return immediately. Um, so that was like a two-year journey of like, go, to, go there in 2022 and then return as a wrestler on a show you know, in front of a big crowd. Uh, so that's really satisfying. That. Um, other advice I would say is just be super persistent because I'd be ama- you'd be amazed how often a follow-up email uh, approaching it from a different angle like when you're taught when you're trying to get a promoter's attention um presenting to them like why it would make sense for them to book you what you bring to the table that someone else mightn't um it's like trying to pl- apply for a job i mean it's like you can have a co- copy and paste style uh, c- cover letter for you know a job application or if you tailor it if you put in a little bit of effort you're more likely to get someone in HR's attention. So it's the exact same uh, when you're dealing with promoters, it's like putting in a little bit more time and care when you're in your communication. Um, and my background is actually communication, so hopefully probably helps a little yeah. bit. Um, so I would say be willing to travel, be willing to train and just train. 
uh, with no expectations of being offered a spot on a show. Um, just have a good attitude and have something different that like makes sense for them to book you. Um, so those kind of uh, they're, they're the, the core strands that I would encourage anyone to focus on. And uh, the likelihood is, and you can build on that once you get to one show, you start net. Like for example, I was just in Dortmund three, four weeks ago, and because of that show, because because I went to that show, uh, a good friend of mine, Fayaz, uh, connected me with a promoter in Sweden. Um, so that, I have a booking in Sweden as a result of that. And because of the booking in Sweden, because I'm so close to Finland, I figured, why not try go to Finland? And yeah. I certainly got a booking in Finland. So it's like the butterfly effect of being willing to go to Dortmund um, and then the opportunity to go to Sweden that stems from that and the opportunity to, to go to Finland that stems from that. So it's like just being willing to, you know, roll the dice, take a chance and uh, recognize when there's opportunities there for you to expand your, sure. your, your scope a bit. Yeah. Now, so you talk about going to you know different countries and, and all that stuff. Um, how do you adapt your wrestling style to different audiences and like different mm-hmm. cultures? Yeah, you, I mean, I, I have a tendency to focus on uh, the wrestling and because uh, I just love uh, grappling and chain wrestling, catch catch down style. But sadly, I can't always uh, f- focus on that in the ring. So if I'm in a, on a kind of a more family uh, friendly crowd for show. Um, chain wrestling isn't going to really fly, for example. But being able to look at the crowd and say, well, are they going to get more value out of character work? Are they going to enjoy that more than the chain wrestling? There's certain crowds that are going to be super interested in seeing chain and technical grappling and kind of more shoot style. Yeah, so it's really just reading the room. And like when I go to different countries, obviously I have the kind of uh, advantage in that, you know, there's an automatic differentiator in that I'm from Ireland and I'm pale and I have red hair and I have an accent so I can just use that like that's such an easy card to play um, and if depending on whether I'm heel or face um, I can just lean into that a bit whereas in Ireland it's like there's, there's nothing special about being Irish in Ireland and, it, and it's that, at that in those kind of venues and settings it's like the wrestling really matters so that's because first yeah. of all the, the level is so high um, in terms of the competition that you're dealing with whereas in other countries you kind of just you have to basically play by ear and see what's uh what the crowd is most likely going to be interested in so yeah being having that irish crowd is so so handy um whether it's a face or a heel you can kind of leverage it in both directions all right yeah we're going to keep on this travel you know topic here um Mm. what would you say is your favorite travel story so far Ah. Wrestling, or I mean, I've traveled to a lot of countries, uh, like in, in the personal life, or uh, the personal life and wrestling life. But I've been to like fifty countries uh, personally. Wow! Uh, so I've been very, very lucky to travel far and wide. I went to Rio, uh, Carnival in Rio uh, about ten years ago. Wow! And, um, so uh, yeah, absolutely wild, insane time. Um, just yeah, like traveling around Asia, traveling in New Zealand, Australia. Um, as a younger man, like it's just you know that's that's freedom and that's life at its best. Uh, wrestling wise, yeah. I guess the last um, yeah the last four months has just been a sudden explosion of like okay Spain, Portugal, Italy, Germany, uh, now Sweden, Finland. So it's like a there's a momentum um, that I'm kind of riding. Um, 
um, yeah, really excited for the for the rest of the year and try to add to those list of countries and um, yeah, just keep the keep the show rolling. I, I clearly have to get out more. <laughs> Fifty countries. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, to, uh... that the interactive amount of mystery is, uh, you know, it's just like obviously my wrestling uh, moniker, but yeah, like the uh, travel has been a, a huge part of my life since I would say twenty, like thirteen. It's basically when once I developed real confidence, and I was like, right, I'm gonna like go travel up by myself for nine months, and um, the benefit of that is just has been playing out ever since because it's like your once your comfort zone, your comfort zone starts super small uh, and then you can yeah. you have a choice to then broaden it with your choices and decisions and where you bring the kind of environment you take yourself into so i would say the traveling bug uh has helped me in, in terms of wrestling because i'm not daunted by going anywhere on my own um ever really like it's and, and that started from you know a younger a younger age um so yeah, for anyone who's uh, you know aspiring wrestlers, like just try to lose that fear factor if there is any of traveling and being I'm on my own for an, a, a certain amount of time. It's like you're you're all, you're more resilient than you think you are, and you can handle those scenarios better than you think you can. Uh, and ultimately, you're, you become more confident and more capable and more uh, willing to take risks. That's important. Well said. Well said. Um, you know, obviously being this is my this is my TED talk here. <laughs> no, no, we, we, we that, it, it's super insightful. I mean, that, that that's really it's 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 a very simple prophecy of just, you know, taking it step by step and being mm. able to expand and like you said, broaden your horizons, you know, so it, yeah. it, it's 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 simple. It's one of those things that sounds simple and, and people, you know, we, we should be encouraging people to take those steps and to, and to yeah. grow their presence, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't. You don't have to go there all at once. It's like you know, little bits of the way. Um, um, you know, you can make pro- steady progress, and then suddenly you're in a position where you couldn't imagine you're, you were in like 10, 10, 10 weeks ago or whatever. So there's always um, there's always something to be said for challenging yourself and being putting putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. Because the more of those you encounter and get through. The more resilient you are, and the more likely you are to be open to other challenges uh, along the way, uh, and I, I'm a firm believer in that as a kind of a lifestyle uh, way of looking at life. It's like you know, you you are in you're in the steering wheel. You're behind the steering wheel. It's up to you to, uh, to decide where you take it. And uh, yeah, the world is more kind of malleable than you think. Things will happen if you put in effort. And time. Yeah, well said. Well said. Um, yeah, especially with uh, Irish representation in wrestling being at an all-time high right now, we've got Finn Balor, uh, Jade McDonough, Becky mm-hmm. Lynch, Lyra Valkyria. They're all making a name for themselves over in WWE. Um, you know, we, we see on TV the pride in Ireland that they have for these superstars, but we, I want to get your take on this as an Irishman. What does this representation truly mean to have so many names that are at the top of their game in the biggest company in the world right now? Yeah, it's absolutely massive for a small country to to have produced so much ta- massive talent, uh, um, to have made it to the absolute very top as well. So, yeah, I think it's just inspiring for younger generations um, to you know they now have people to emulate. They have examples to go by, whereas previous generations would have been like, oh, well, like what's the, what are the chances of someone from Ireland making it to the main event of WrestleMania? Yeah. 
you know, you just you couldn't really fathom that uh, 10, 20 years ago, really. Uh, whereas now it's like it's very much in reach. There's, uh, there's there are avenues there. Uh, there's great examples to, to learn from. Uh, so I, I think it's definitely, I, I would say if you talk to some of the head trainers at Fight Factory over the years, they, they would probably recognize that there was a correlation between Becky Lynch doing so well um, and Finn Balor doing so well with new cohorts of trainees start. So I think the Irish wrestling training landscape has probably had ups and downs. So it's very, very strong right now. But I, I, I think in like the early 2000s and mid 2000s, like, you know, it was probably just like getting by. There probably wasn't a huge amount of new trainees uh, starting up. Whereas when you have examples like Finn and Becky um, and now JD and Lyra, the likelihood is people will try it because they, they, they believe it's possible. They see examples. So I think that's uh, that's the best outcome is having people believe that what they want to do is possible. And then the likelihood of them act, putting action into that is higher. Um, and, I, and, I, and I see that in like, the level of training and fight factory and back home. Um, so yeah, long may it continue. Um, and I, I, I guarantee it won't be long before the likes of LJ Cleary is in a WWE ring. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, when, not if. Put bet the house on that one. Uh, and, and there are many more uh, to come. So definitely a good time to be an Irish wrestler and an Irish wrestling fan. Yeah, wow, 100%. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, in your opinion, what do you think sets independent wrestling apart from your mainstream promotions of WWE and AEW? Uh, obviously, the intimacy of it, um, the fan participation. Um, fans can really get involved uh, in, in, in a way that they can't in a WWE or AEW setting. Um, fans can be heard more. Um, fans can actually get the attention of a wrestler um, they can interact with a wrestler even during the match like you know eye contact facial like uh, just like screaming abuse they're more likely to be heard um, and I think there's more of a, probably more variety um, on, on your typical independent show than, than there would be in WWE or AEW I think there's like certain parameters that the big league stick to uh, whereas the independent is kind of a free-for-all uh, kind of the wild yeah. west. Anything, if it's entertaining, it can work. So you probably have promoters taking bolder chances in the independence, which mm. that may or may not work. And yeah. if it doesn't work, who cares? Whereas if you know WWE or AEW, it's like, oh, okay, they they tanked it, or they you know the criticism is going to be so vociferous uh, that uh, the likelihood of them taking those risks is lower. Whereas in the independence, like. You know, if the fans are into it, we can try it. Or uh, wrestlers might be willing to, you know, wrestle more on the fly, for example, in, a, in front of a smaller audience, because I think that's a really good skill to have if you can wrestle match without planning it. Um, yeah. And the likelihood of wrestlers doing that in an arena full of 10,000 people is lower than if it's in front of 100 or 200 people. So I think you just have more uh, trial and error in an independent scene or an independent yeah. setting. Uh, more chances being taken, um, and yeah, less structure, less rigidity. It's like if the match goes over, it goes over, um, and, and wrestlers are probably able to listen to the crowd a bit more and uh, play by their own rules a bit more than they would if they're in a WWE yeah. ring. Um, so that would be my the main points, but uh, yeah, I think it's um, 
independent wrestling is just so funny and, and like unique and special that uh, you can kind of take them in so many different directions and there's com- more comedy, there's more um, just kind of uh, bizarro world matches that don't make sense yeah. but they're entertaining so people clap and cheer yeah. somehow. So I think that yeah. it's, it's still a hodgepodge of uh, people trying to express themselves creatively um, in a non-structured fashion. So I think that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I, uh, for me, I, I definitely feel like when, when we look at wrestling, the wrestling landscape as a whole, WWE, AEW, those always feel like cinema to me. I mean, that's a word that we've just yeah. been throwing a lot lately, with every, especially on the road to WrestleMania. And I've always likened the independence to Broadway. It's got more of a theater aspect of it mm. because yeah, it yeah, is yeah. that that personality that you know expands more mm-hmm. into the crowd as far as interactions and things that you can do more so than kind of the rigid production that Definitely. you get with a with a mainstream cell. So that's I mean that's a very, very well put. Um, yeah. So we've been talking Jack Moody for the last thirty two minutes. Um, mm-hmm. as we wrap up the year, who are a few names that we should be looking out for on the independent scene that we may not have heard before? Oh, in Ireland, um well obviously well you know all about LJ. He's doing so well. Um, some of my peers in Fight Factory are just phenomenal. Uh, Martin Steers, um, Jay Steins, Double L, um, JB, uh, Debbie Fightel. You've probably heard of her. She's doing incredible work uh, all over the world. Um, so many. Um, and I, and I, they're, you know, the likelihood is like they're going to be very well known in a very short time. Um, and I like Michael May, like amazing trainer, and he's wrestled. Uh, he's had a really, a really amazing career. Um, there's so many in Ireland that are just, you know, have uh, have the potential to go as far as they want to go, um, and it will be great to see their progression um, in in the in the short term um, and long term. So um, yeah, it's just an amazing bunch of people. Uh, very proud to be part of that community. Even though I'm in London right now, and they're obviously in Dublin. Mm-hmm. AJ Scraggs as well. Added so many, like you could. Uh, the Saviors of Destiny. Like, they are an unified trio. Uh, Anita Vaughn, uh, Andy Steele, uh, Alan Richards, like just unbelievable. So, would highly recommend you interview awesome. any any of those. Uh, um, they're legit, uh, legit stars in the making. Yeah, always looking for more wrestling. Every day, yes. every day we're looking for more. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, we we prepped your pre-show. <clears throat> we have a debate on the Wrestling Junkies podcast. When you think Mr. WrestleMania, is it Shawn Michaels, is it The Undertaker? Ooh, that's a very. Good, I think I think. no pressure. <laughs> the Mr. WrestleMania, it's just so synonymous with kind of both. In many ways, um, oh, that is a hard question. I'd be really, really in a bind. Oh, God, I don't know what to say. I'm going to say, I think I'm going to say Shawn Michaels. Um, just a showman. Like, uh, that's what Mr. Wrestling like. I think if you had said, yeah. you had phrased it slightly different, Chris, you might have got it. You might have been the happier of the two. I think when you say Mr. WrestleMania, there's a certain grandiose, uh, there's a certain standard, there's a certain personality that's attributed to that. 
that obviously the Undertaker is a, an absolute legend of WrestleMania, a pillar of that um, of that event. But I think when, when you phrase it like Mr. WrestleMania, I think there's a I lean towards HBK and the breadth of work he has at that event. The fact that he ended his career after as well. Um, yeah, I mean, he did come back, but let's just pretend he didn't come back. We don't. Uh, as, a, as a wrestling community, we have all forgotten about that. Yeah. So. Purge, that never happened. <laughs> yeah, <That's> never happened. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that would be my. I had to deliberate on it, but I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think it's the answer I'm speaking. I always say so, if if there's good reasoning behind it, I can't argue it. That was great reasoning. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Jack, it has been an absolute pre- pleasure to uh, to chat with you today. Likewise. Before we let you go, um, tell us what events you've got coming up and where can everybody find you on social media? Yeah. Uh, so, well, in terms of finding me, on, I'm not really active on Instagram at all. I have one, but I don't use it. Uh, so Twitter is my main uh, outlet. So you can find me at Jack Moody Pro. Uh, so feel free to follow and t- take a look and see where I'm at. Um in terms of upcoming bookings, next weekend I'm in Lisbon, Portugal, uh, wrestling for CPW. And then in April, I will be in Sweden, as I mentioned, and then in Finland. So that's my Swedish debut and awesome. Finland debut uh, in, a, in a week uh, together. So very excited for both of those. And yeah, for the short term, um, exploring the UK scene and training in different schools here in London and uh, further afield. Um, but yeah, if anyone's on Twitter and wants to follow me, at Jack Moody Pro. And uh, yeah, I'd love to reconnect with you both uh, later in the year. We can chat more. If you have any more grilling questions for me, I'd be uh, happy to reply. <laughs> or any, any, sounds, yeah. settled, any, any debates that you need to settle, I'm, uh, I'm impartial and I have good rationale. <laughs> so I'm happy to, like happy to uh, oblige. That sounds fantastic. Jack, thank you so much once again. Um, and, and best of luck this spring. You, you very clearly are an international man of mystery and <laughs> love hearing what you're doing. Um, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank you guys for watching this episode of the Wrestling Junkies podcast. For the international man of mystery, Jack Moody, for the podcast, Adam, Mr. Cincinnati. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Cheers. <laughs>